Well, good morning, friends. How are we all doing this morning? Doing well? How many of you love the wind? Anyone? Yeah, it messes up the hair. I don't like it. Right? All right. Well, hey, welcome to Radiant Life. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor, and we are on part four of a series together titled SOS, which stands for Song of Songs, or perhaps in your version of the Bible that you have, it may say Song of Solomon, and it's all about relationships. And I'm going to get us caught up before uh, we enter into this uh, message. But uh, week one, we find Solomon and his Shulamite woman, who is his lover, uh, being attracted to certain things in, in uh, what they're looking at. They're looking at some godly character, and they're just saying, "Woo!" before it gets physical, we're attracted to some things. Week two, we looked at, they started their dating season. And we looked at what do we, you and I pursue in our dating relationships and other seasons that we're in in relationships. Week three, which was last week, oh, it was spicy. And they got on their honeymoon, and we worked our way through that. And this week, this lovebird couple fights. So we can all take a deep breath and go, oh, I'm okay to be, have conflict in my relationship. It's all right. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series with uh, how to, some secret ingredients and in how Solomon and his lover made love last. How do we do it? How do we love well when we don't want to love well? How do we do it? But hey, turn to your neighbor and say, conflict is normal. We all will have conflict. Why? Because we deal with people. And people are messy, and they're broken, some a little more than others. Jesus, please help us. We call those people EGR, extra grace required. How many of you have those people in your life? You're like, oh, Lord, you just, when, you, when you see them, you need to start on your knees praying, right? Help me be Jesus to this person, all right? Hey, but we've all got conflict. No marriage is perfect. Yes. You will bump heads, and if you're newly married, it's coming. I promise you, it will be. But the question is, how do you and I fight? I'm not gonna, I, I don't like using the word fight, because fight tends to be physical. I like intense fellowship. It's a better word to use there. We will, but how do you handle conflict? When you go and you fight with your coworker, your relationships and your dating or marriage with, you, with your best friend, you fight either clean or dirty. This one probably a little more, let's be honest, than this. Healthy couples fight this way. Unhealthy couples fight here. I tend to go here. We've got another option. When you're in conflict, do you fight for reconciliation or do you fight because you want to win? I'm always right, so I'm always winning. <laughs> Anyone else like that? You're just always right, right? Yeah. If I'm honest, we... we we probably fight more for victory than we do just to reconcile this relationship. And this couple, mm-hmm, they're going to get into a fight. And we're going to journey through this couple's fight. 
and see what you and I can learn at it because you will have conflict in your life. So how do we do it? Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 2. This is Solomon's lover beginning to speak. Remember, they just got off their honeymoon. They are so in love. Like, nothing could possibly go wrong, right? They're in the lovey-dovey stage of their relationship. And here, the Shulamite woman says, I slept, but my heart was what, friends? So she's telling us, listen, I may be physically sleeping, but emotionally, oh, I am restless. And you may have experienced that in your own life, whether it was in a fight with a, your girlfriend or boyfriend, whether it was a fight with your husband or spouse or a, what, a wayward child. You, you're sleeping, but you're not really sleeping. Your heart's restless. She's saying, yep, that's me. And then it goes on. It says, but she says, listen, my beloved, what's he doing? He's at the door. And here's what Solomon says. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my, my flawless one. Ooh, remember how much they love each other. But she's saying, eh, eh. I'm trying to sleep. And my heart is just restless. I'm going to say, this is obviously taking place at night. We're going to venture. Let's just have fun for a minute. This is going to be 11 p.m., somewhere between 11 and 2 a.m. All right? Solomon's not home, and she's a little upset. You got to be home. And now all of a sudden, you're knocky-knocky on the door, and you're saying, oh, my darling, my dove, my flawless one, oh, let's, mm-hmm, because he remembers his honeymoon. And now that he's been gone all night, he wants to come home and expect what's going to transpire in their bedroom. And she's like, no, you weren't here in time, and my heart is restless right now. And Solomon comes in, and remember last week, if you're here with us, he's expecting those little fawns to still be in the fields. Come, that's funny. That was in the Bible last week, guys. You're like, should I laugh at that? I don't know. That's in the Bible, right? He wants to see if the petting zoo is available still. He doesn't know. He comes in, he says, hey, my head is drenched with dew. Come on now. My hair with the dampness of the night. What does that mean? He's not out at night driving around in his pickup truck. He's been walking, and now he, he wants to do what a husband and wife do. But she's like, I'm asleep. What's going on? And this is her response. I love her response to Solomon. She says, listen, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I, I wash my feet. Must I soil them again? In other words, she's saying, hey, I, I got a headache, and I'm tired. Knock it off, right? But he's, what is he doing? He's persistent. He wants some. This happens all the time in my house. I'm so tired all the time. She just is always knocking. I just don't know. And they're in conflict. That's not true at all, by the way. Not true at all. They're in conflict. Why do you and I ever get into conflict? I want to share two reasons with you this morning. Number one, unmet expectations. Unmet what? See, we go into relationships expecting certain things. The problem is we never communicate what those expectations are. When my wife and I got married, I, I, this is honest, this is the only thing I'm going to say about sex. I thought I would have sex every day that ends in Why? 
I did. Not my wife. Different expectations. We come into every relationship expecting certain things. Well, I thought we'd be romantic and intimate with one another. Well, I thought he would want to read the Bible and pray with me. Well, I thought he would actually do the dishes and mow the yard because uh, that's what I saw my dad doing. Well, I thought she would cook every meal because I saw my mom cooking every meal. And we go into marriage with unmet expectations because we failed to communicate. It's on us. And here's, Solomon's like, hey, I, I know I'm getting home late. Solomon's like, I don't care. She's like, no. That's closed up. That ain't happening. There's unmet expectations. Here's the second thing. Why do we get into conflict? Because of self-centeredness. Self what? You know, I, I, I will admit to you, one of the, the things I hate being called is selfish. I'm really good at being Selfish. But I hate when I hear that word. At nighttime, I have to go to bed with the television on. I know some of you are, are very anti-TV. I still love you in Jesus' name. I still love you. But I just, I have to have that blue, that blue thing on. Like, that's just at night. And you know what I love to watch at night? This is like, really nerdy. Star Trek. It's got to be on. I, this wasn't always me. This is a new me in the last six months. Like, it, it's on at night. I watch it at night. My wife, on the other hand, doesn't like Star Trek. And so she, the other day, about two weeks ago, she said, can you please turn it on to something else? I said, well, can you please close your eyes and turn around and we don't have to deal with it, right? <laughs> just, just go to bed. Who cares what's on the TV? Only I'm watching it. You're not. She says, I don't want those, what do you call them, lasers. I said, they're phasers in Star Trek. Get it? I don't, she doesn't want the alien stuff at night. She wants calm. I was being very self-centered. It's about me, right? And so what do we do? She says, there's a certain show on Netflix. I heard that's really good. We should give it a try. So marriage is all about compromise, you, you need to write that down. It's all about compromise. And I said, fine. <laughs> and so I turned it on as we were going to bed, and I actually started to like it. But I definitely did not want her to know I like it, because <laughs> I want Star Trek back on the TV. It was really funny, and I'm trying to hold my laughs in to not laugh, and she's catching me smirking. Like, you, you see, you like it, right, don't you? No, I, this, is, this is dumb. This is stupid. And guess what we do now? I lost. <laughs> and we watch this show every night almost before we go to bed now. And it is super funny, and I really like it. But why were we ever having a little bit of conflict at night? I was so self-centered. Look at what Solomon's lover, his wife, is saying to him. Look how many personal pronouns are being used. I have taken off my robe, must I put it on again? I washed my feet, must I soil them again? I, 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 it's all about me. And that's how we enter conflict into relationships. We become so self-centered. Me, me, me. So let me ask you a question this morning. Of these two, where are you? 
I'm here and I'm here. I've been to both of them. Where are you this morning? And all of a sudden, through this unmet expectations and this self-centeredness, it all become about you, 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 you. Well, I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, you, it's always about you. You want to do. What about me? And it, we have self-centeredness in our relationships. All of a sudden, Solomon is going to react. He doesn't like that he's not getting what he wants. And this is what his wife says, what happens next in verse 4. My beloved thrust his hand. Through the latch opening, and my heart began to pound. Maybe some of you guys, you've done that. In the midst of your contact, you, conflict, you've taken your hand and just have gone through a wall. You've punched a door. You have done something because of conflict. And you're like Solomon. He realizes, man, I blew it. Here's what she says after that event happened. I arose to open for my beloved. And my hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved. But my, my beloved, she's gone. And maybe that's where some of us are this morning. We've got that conflict in our marriage right now. You feel like he's, they're just gone. And as a response, she says, my heart sank. I know we're in conflict, but I'm saddened by his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. And if you read the rest of some of that story, what happens is she's going to go out at night. She's looking for Solomon. Solomon, where are you? I realized we had a fight, but hey, I, we need to do this. We need to work this. Solomon says, forget it. Punch through the latch opening, and he's gone. He's out of there. She's like, no, no, no. And what I find so amazing is that sometimes something that can seem so insignificant in our lives can become the most damaging thing in our relationships. I want to introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Mug. Yes, super clever names, I know. Some of you are like, wow, how long did that take you to come up with those names? These two lovebirds met in college, and oh, baby, they're in love. They were inseparable. Nothing could separate them. They were always together doing everything all the time. You couldn't. And, of course, what do two lovebirds do? You get married. They got married, and all of a sudden, life is happening a little more. They're living together. They're trying to understand that. And all of a sudden, tension begins to come. Whoo. And they get into their first conflict. And now they're looking at each other in a way that they've never looked at each other before because so far they haven't had conflict. And all of a sudden, in the midst of conflict, they begin to bump into each other. Whoa! What was that? That never came out of you before. Well, you made it come out of me. I did not. I've never seen that part of you. Well, stuff came out of you too. And you look like Cookie Monster. <laughs> what? You write, you taking notes right now? This is super important. 
And the more that they do life, they're bumping and stuff, more stuff as they're fighting are coming out of them. Why are stuff coming out of them? Because it's in them. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your sin is your enemy. The devil is your enemy. And here, this is the enemy. It's what is coming out of you in the midst of conflict. But what are you and I so good at doing? It's her fault. She made this stuff come out of me. It's his fault. If he would do this or this, I wouldn't react this way. And I always say, everything is a heart issue. You got to step back and say, God, what is my heart? Because the devil is your enemy. And the devil wants you guys to just keep bumping. So more things come out. And you're like, what? And you know when more things come out? Oh, the house. The house is torn now. And once you guys were like this, it's now like that. We will enter conflict. How, to, how do you and I walk through it in order to do it the way that is God-honoring in our lives? Three quick things. Number one, I will respond and not react. I will respond and not what, friends? When emotions are running high, what do, you, what do we have the tendency to do? React. We even come up a word. It's a knee-jerk what? Reaction. We just, ah, you know? You know my knee-jerk reaction? Throat punch. Just, I, sometimes I wish I was Darth Vader. You know what I'm saying? Where I don't have to be near you, but I can just be like, squeeze the neck a little bit, and then, no, that is so ungodly. Don't, I'm not... But why? Because we react out of our emotions. Instead of reacting out of our emotions, we need to come and say, you know what? Before I react, I need to respond in Jesus' name. So I look like Jesus in the midst of it. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, help me respond the way your son Jesus. Help me to respond like him. Help me to live like Jesus. Don't, in the midst of conflict, you get that email. Don't write back right away. Give it a little bit of time. Why? Because you don't like that email, you'll react to it. Not appropriately. Well, I responded. You did. Your response was a reaction, and it wasn't healthy. Couples, we fight. My wife is a peacekeeper, is a peacemaker. She wants to, in the midst of intense fellowship, solve the issue right now. Any of you relate to my wife? You're like, hey, if we have con let's solve it now. Okay, I, on the other hand, enjoy my time to think and process and be quiet. Any of you like me? All right. You can't always win. Because maybe your spouse is the complete opposite. One thing I learned in premarital is Katie has to give me more time. And Ryan... You can't take hours and hours and hours. You need to step back into a little bit 
and respond to her as well. Come together. But it's enough to respond. The reason why I give myself an adult timeout, <laughs> that's just a nice way to say I'm giving you the silent treatment, right? I give myself a timeout. Not really. I got my back to you and you be quiet. I don't want to talk about this, right? It's because I'm afraid I'm going to react. And when you react, you'll react out of your flesh, not the spirit. Look what I love what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? you got to come in over good. Come together. Come together. And here's what often. If you react, we often react with words. And when words leave your mouth, you'll never get them back. And we'll say things you've never meant to say. And then we're there, <laughs> trying to pick all this up. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to call you that. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And look what the Proverbs say. A, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Your spouse is not the enemy. The devil in your sin nature is the enemy. I will respond. Holy Spirit, help me. And I will not react. Here's the second thing. I will focus on the good and not the what? Isn't it so easy to focus on what people do wrong? Particularly what other people around us do wrong, not what I do wrong, right? I'm good. Look at this people, dude. They got bad. They just got it. Look, Paul writes now to the church in Philippi. Paul wrote two-thirds of our Newer Testament. You know Paul, who hated Jesus? who's wanted to perse persecuted followers of Jesus, had an encounter and became the greatest missionary ever. He writes to the church that he started in Philippi, which is called Philippians, and says this, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, hey, hey, think about such things. Some of us, we need, to, we need this all over our mirrors. Because we'll just focus on the bad in them, not the good. You know, Ruth Graham was the wife of the evangelist Billy Graham, who had, I think Billy Graham will have one of the largest homes in heaven. He has saved so many people from eternity, for eternity. And in the midst of it, he was gone all the time, traveling. And a newspaper got a hold of his wife, Ruth, and said, hey, Ruth, how do you handle it, man? I mean, geez, oh, Pete, your husband's gone all the time. And her response to the newspaper, five months with Billy is greater than 12 months with another man. She focused on what she had good. I love the five months that I get to spend with him. I'm not focusing on the seven months I'm not with him. I'm going to focus on the good and not the bad. And Solomon's lover realizes it. She's out looking after this immense conflict. She's out looking, oh my goodness, she can focus on everything. She can sit there and say, oh my gosh, I have to fix this latch now. Now I've got to buy a new door and I've got to put it in my budget. He's, he's a freakazoid, just strong and just punches everything. What does she do? She's out looking for him and now she realizes, oh, man, there's goodness there. And look what she says. He begins to describe her body, or his body. My beloved is radiant and rudy, outstanding among 10,000. You don't know my husband. He's horrible. He does horrible things. No, I, he's better than 10,000. 
His head is the purest of gold. His hair, oh, his hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are beds of spice, yielding perfume. Oh, yeah, his lips mm, mm, are like lilies dripping with myrrh. I, I just remember those times that we kiss. It's times that we actually love each other. They're good. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. His body, he's a hottie with a body, like polished ivory decorated with lapis lazuli. He looks like me. Thank you. <laughs> His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. And his mouth, the sweetness of itself. Look at this. He's, he's just altogether lovely. And she wrote, this is my beloved. This is my friend, daughter of Jerusalem. You got to focus on the good and not the bad. And oh, the enemy wants you to say, oh, remember, remember, what, remember when she did this? Remember when she did this? Oh, remember when he did this? Remember how he's a jerk? Remember all this stuff? No, 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 no. Hey, devil, go back to hell. I'm going to focus on the good, not the bad. I'm going to think about whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right. And in the midst of it, all you see is chaos. I get it. It's hard, and it's hard to follow Jesus, but he asks us to go wherever he goes. And he's going to give you the strength to do it. So go. Push through. And here's the third one. I will talk and not what, friends? <laughs> it's easier to walk away than it is to talk through your stuff. It's way easier. Here's a word of encouragement. Take it, take it for whoever this is. Don't use the D word in your home. Don't say, well, we're just going to get a divorce. Here's why. I think as soon as those words leave your mouth, the devil has a foothold now in your home. And here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, which is a city Paul wanted to get to so bad, and he did it on his first missionary trip. He couldn't. God was like, no, no, I got another plan for you. And finally, on the second mission trip, he gets there. And this is what Paul writes to those believers in Ephesus. He says this, hey, in your anger, do not sin. And Paul's right there. Anger is not sin. Anger is an emotion you are okay to have. It's what you do with that emotion is sinful, can be sinful. Jesus was angry. He flipped over tables in the temple court. He was ticked off. It's okay to be mad at your spouse. Because you are in intense fellowship. But in the midst of it, it says, but don't sin. Don't use those words in your anger. Don't sit there and degrade them. He says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a, what's that word, friends? That word, foothold, means a guest room in your house. You and I know this way too much. Because there's a position you and I assume in the bedroom. We now sleep back to back. Why? Because we're angry at each other. 
I'm going to give you my back so I don't have to look at you. And then I'm going to give you my back so I don't have to look at you. And we know we're angry at each other. Then all of a sudden, one of you, well, probably the one that wants to hurry up and make peace, will take their leg and try to touch your leg. And you're like, no! I will not play footsies. My back is to you. I'm mad. Can you not see that? Go find someone else to play footsies with. Why don't we talk through our issues? You're supposed to be with the love of your life, the one that God has brought to to become one. And we don't even talk. The rest of the story is uh, the Shulamite woman goes down to the vineyard. She's looking for him still. And as I close, watch how she closes. I went down to the grove nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. She's She's not looking at the vineyards to see if they're actually blossoming. This is in the middle of the night. What she's saying is, I'm trying to find if he's, he's there, if, if our relationship is going to bloom again. She says, before I realized that my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. What were the royal chariots? These precious things that were incredibly awesome. If it came into town, you were like, wow. What she realizes is my relationship is actually, wow. We just went through hell. That's all we did. Because every couple will fight. I'm realizing some things. God's grace will get through it. We'll get through it. But both of us have to be willing to go through it together and put God first. I want to close with this statement. If we're in conflict, Ruth Graham, this is her quote. It's so powerful. She says, a good marriage is a union between two good what, friends? I don't want to forgive them. I get it. Forgiveness is hard. I get it. Right, you, you, you don't know my husband. He's a whack job. He, I can't. Ryan, you don't know my wife. There's no way I can forgive. There is. Forgiveness is not always easy. It's a process. And it's not just a one-time decision. Every time that stuff comes back up, it's back on our knees to say, God, I... I need forgiveness. And help me to extend that forgiveness as well. With all eyes closed, let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. I want to ask you a question. Who do you need to forgive this morning? Maybe it is that husband. Maybe it's that wife. Maybe it's your child. That boss, that coworker, that friend. 
And I want you to feel those emotions. Now I want you to think about the forgiveness you receive ever so freely from your Heavenly Father. with all of our crap and our baggage that we bring God still looks down upon us and says I love you I sent my son to that cross for you right now just be reminded of God's goodness over your life man we serve a good God who won't let us walk alone. <laughs> Who's always there picking us up every time we fall back down. Our God forgives us for everything. Unconditional love in pursuit of you. you don't think you can forgive, just be reminded of God's forgiveness in your life. Just take a moment to thank Him. Man. Just take a moment just to realize and thank God how good He is and how you've been forgiven.